record is the big red button. I thought it was the green one. Oh, shit. Okay. The one, the one with the triangle sideways? Okay. That's record, right? And the circle means play? Okay. You're fired. <laughs> Oscar? <laughs> what? What? What am I doing? We're back. We're on. We're back. We're on. Let's go. So... Episode, which, which this, episode this is this? should be 2.1, 2.5, episode 2.1. <laughs> so quick uh, feedback on that. We recorded episode two Yeah. last week. Don't tell the people our deficiencies. Hey, hey, hey. It's called transparency. It's transparency. We're trying to be uh, raw oh, honest. and honest, right? <laughs> so Uncensored. Facts. Unstrapped. Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, Kevin, why, what happened to episode two? And why are we on 2.1? I was going to say something so bad. Anyways, um, <laughs> we recorded episode two. It was amazing. And we were more than halfway done. Little did we know, we didn't record at all. <laughs> we recorded 17 minutes out of the 40-minute conversation we had. It was so, so good. It was really good, guys. But you guys will never know now. Unfortunately, and we had 17 minutes of audio straight BS. And you know what? I think it was comedy. No, I think it's comedy. No, it was whatever. (laughs) But you know, I think that you know, today might be better. Today will be better. It should. I hope. You know, Oscar, he's been working on his jokes. I think he he wants to open up the episode with one of his jokes. We don't really know what these jokes are. I don't know where he gets them from. Maybe Pinterest. I don't know. Maybe his own man. Mind. Maybe. Maybe Whoa. when he's showering and listening to the first episode, he was inspired. I don't know. Part of our voices. Should I really say this? Or Just I do. mean, should okay. Alrighty. I'm gonna be that guy. Oh god. So guys, to anyone that's listening, it's gonna be a short pause for you to try to figure out the joke, but I'm gonna say the joke. I'm just going to go straight through. What's the difference between Jesus and a picture of Jesus? You guys ready for this? Just go ahead and take time to think about it. <laughs> you only need one nail to hang the picture up. And Oscar's going to hell. <laughs> and no, the person guys. who wrote this is going to hell. You're They're sharing. probably in hell. You're sharing. <laughs> Dude. Right next to Hitler, probably. <laughs> Really? really? No, no. No, I think above Hitler. This he point. burned six million Jews. Yeah, but... <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. That's, that's like horrible. the... Yeah, he's in the pits of hell. No, he's in the lake of fire. There's a difference. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they're doing I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> dude. I don't know. I really don't know. I've but, never been in hell. So... <laughs> So I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think, dude? <laughs> oh, shit. So, I mean, are we saying that we're recording this on Memorial Day weekend? Or the original episode two was on. So this is Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, one of our jokes was like, what the hell they recorded in Memorial Day weekend? But it's 4th of July. What's going on? Because we're lagging definitely on getting these episodes out. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to do our best to get these episodes. Um, I... I feel like we're going to try to get them out maybe weekly. Um, you, you know, well, our vision for for our episodes is, you know, just show just have audio, but also, you know, having video as well for you. Maybe snippets where we probably won't be able to record the whole episode, but just maybe snippets of us just messing around or, 
you know, our facial expressions because I feel, you know, body language is definitely important when you're having conversations as deep as the ones we are having right now. Yes. So let me, you're pretty much telling me to stop slouching. Right. Dude, what? Dude, okay. You looked at me, bro. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. So he's like, bro, I need. I feel attacked. <laughs> he's like, I need the our, we, our hard drive so that so that the dude could edit it. I'm like, cool. I forgot. I'll take responsibility. The second time, <laughs> I take him the hard drive, but I don't take him the wire. And it's a special type of wire. And it's kind of ridiculous. But you know what, Kevin? You were here on Saturday, and you forgot to. I know. You forgot. So we're we're basically even. Um, anyways. Anyways. I have actually a quick question. Maybe we can segue this into the conversation. But what do you expect people from our podcast? What 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 do you want the listeners to get out of this? You know, what are your thoughts? I just want to pick you. I don't know if you want to. Okay. Well, I think uh, for. For our um, listeners, I think what we really want to accomplish is um, to bring out about uh, or spark conversations with uh, people around you. I think, I mean, if we're willing to open up and get uncensored and really Mm. just, you know, just talk what's on our hearts, I think like what my main purpose of what this is about and how I see it is that others would have these same conversations mm. and bring it about in their family settings and their friendships. Because I feel like we have a lot of surface level uh, relationships. And I really think that those don't really fill us. They just mm-hmm. entertain us. You right. Know? So what, what it, for the people that might not know, right? What's a surface level? Because they might be in surface level relationships. Yeah. What's a, What's having a surface level relationship to you, right? It does. I'm not saying that... Yeah. For the person listening, if you're like, that's not what a surface level relationship yeah, is, yeah, hey, man, sure. mind your business, dude. That, Oscar, tell us, what is a I surface level? I think by level? my own experience, surface level would be just, man, like, just entertaining yourself with conversations that don't really mean much and almost like where it's not hitting your heart or... You're not talking about things that actually matter. Mm. But, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with friends that I think they just weren't meaningful. They weren't. I don't I don't remember them. I don't. Or they're just not my friends anymore. Mm. So I think if you want to build real relationships that could last a lifetime, which I think all of us are looking for that, um, you have to have tough conversations about what you've been through, your story. Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah. some trauma, you know, for some relationships that maybe like you have relationships that you haven't been able to forgive and even relationships that brought you trauma. Yeah. Like I do like for me, like I, I have, I have such a hard time opening up, right? Super yeah. hard. Yeah. Kevin knows it. Oscar knows it. It's just hard. And I feel like I've had surface level relationships. Yeah. Where it's like you can't like kind of open up because a you're scared. Oh, like you know this friendship. Do they really want to hear what yeah. I'm saying? What I have to say? Do do they want? What are they going to use this information? Yeah. Right. How are they going to use it? Are they going to use it to manipulate it? 
our friendship? Are they going to use this information to maybe talk about it with other people? Exactly. So I've definitely have fallen victim of being in a surface level relationships intentionally. Yeah. Right. And these are the relationships where you're like, hey, man, how's the weather type of thing? Or like, you know, like, yeah, it's not really in depth. You know, hey, how's your mom? Like, yeah, she's fine, dude. Yeah. And then we don't talk for like. <laughs> dude, I think, I mean, for me, relationships have been either like we just entertain ourselves with sports or, you know, oh, what we're going to do the, this weekend, you know, and mm-hmm. it's always looking forward to some form of kind of like an escape of the real world but then while the person is really dealing with a lot of things that they just don't share and then we we kind of ask ourselves at one point you know what's the point of the relationship what's the point of this friendship i, I think relationships like that is like i'm i'm, I'm probably gonna offend some people and that's okay mm-hmm. there's there's healing and truth yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so, that's why we're here you know some surface level relationships are created because people aren't willing to be alone and they realize i'd rather be with friends that maybe aren't beneficial but as long as i'm not alone yeah yeah oh that's that's powerful all right end of discussion here no i'm just kidding end (laughs) of episode (laughs) no that's definitely a part of it and i think it's just it's you you hit it you guys pretty much hit in a different aspect you know a lot of us are are afraid I think for us, I see it a lot more in men where when the conversation wants to get deep, we rather just avoid it with a joke or something, talk about something completely different else because we subconsciously are afraid to go deeper, you know, into that. And we sometimes limit the potential of a relationship, you know, yeah. and, and it's easy. That's all. That's almost like a form like we've discussed about self-sabotage, mm-hmm. you know, how you self-sabotage, you know, these relationships, you know. And sometimes you do it so subconsciously because you're that good at it, you know? Yeah, toxic-ass people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're all toxic. Yeah, I mean... I don't, I don't, there's I don't, levels. I don't, I don't Levels to toxicity. I, I don't think I'm toxic. I think we I all mean, can be toxic. <laughs> yeah, we could all be toxic. I choose not to be toxic. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, never mind. I could be toxic. I could be toxic. I don't think it's an identity as much more it's an action that you could just do on a daily. I don't think it's mm, like, right. you're, it just can't be your identity. So it's That's, like a lifestyle. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> or, or maybe... <laughs> it's like it's like habits. I mean, it's so, like habits that you pick up. Thank you. you. That's the word. Habits. It's just mm. those habits you need to break that are unhealthy habits. If you, yeah. could, if you could say, what's a toxic habit that you have right now that has kind of become a barrier to... Build healthy relationships. What would it be? Mm. I guess. Damn. I guess. What is it? Was insecurities count? No, I mean that's more. Well, like what, a, what do insecurities lead to? Trust issues. There you go. Jealousy. Possessiveness. Jealousy. Envy. All right. For so, sure. So then, Kevin, you're toxic. You met yeah, the. You met. Yeah. You met full criteria. I love being toxic. Um, I think for me is being emotionally unavailable. Unavailable. Mm. I don't know if that's a toxic trait. It is. Okay, well, I met half the criteria. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. Like, you need help. You like, do. I probably do. I probably do. What about you, Oscar? Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it's. Yeah, I think for me, it's insecurities. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of 
there's moments where just my insecurity comes out in a sense of uh, maybe not wanting to be alone sometimes, um, maybe even becoming dependent on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one that gets me a lot is like there's moments where I can just get easily hurt. I don't know if you would count that as one. Like you're mm. like sensitive. Yeah. Or like a, like a, mm, okay. Like do you do it no. intentionally? No, I think it's just happens at times. It's like the same question he asked me. Your insecurities leads you to what toxic behavior? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we all have insecurities. For me, mm-hmm. like I've like I stated, the insecurity of trust or lack of trust and mm-hmm. honesty in relationship causes me to be one possessive, jealous, envy, or even isolate. That's what, those are toxic traits. So. Mm-hmm. Based on insecurity, what comes out of that? What toxic behaviors? I think like stubbornness would be one. Yeah. What'd you say? Pride. Pride. I mean, when I hear stubbornness, I'm like, so you're prideful. Yeah. Right? I would say, yeah, it's pride. Like at times it's like, do I want to just be right? You Mm. know, or do I want to actually connect with someone and Mm -hmm. have a conversation with them? Yeah. Mm. I think that comes out for sure. But I don't know. I think that would be one, yeah. Stubbornness, pride. Damn, hopefully these damn sirens don't come out in the episode, dude. <laughs> Just FYI, we are yeah. in the hood. Yeah. Well, we're not, no, we're, stop lying to the dude, people. Stop. Hey, hey, we let them. Let them know that we come from the bottom of the streets and we're making something of ourselves, okay? Right. <laughs> hey, hey, man. People are like, what, his house is nice. What is it, like a trap house or something? I know, right? <laughs> hey, they don't live, know, man. I live in a nice neighborhood, people. In the ghetto, but it's... Barely. It's, it's I'm a nice borderline. house. Literally, no. The I'm house borderline. is amazing. It's beautiful. I wish you guys could see it. But we do live in a... You're literally down the street from the hood. Just, just saying. Like, literally. It's, it's like... Think of it this way, Kevin. When Vin Diesel told... Paul Walker, yeah. oh, episode God. one. Episode one, you mean? Episode one. Fast and the Furious. Wow. Fast, fast fake, and the Furious. Fake. He said this was Shut a Netflix series. Shut the hell fake up. Fake fan. Right. <laughs> Vin Diesel told Paul Walker what? Hey, you could lose by a second or by a mile, right? Hey. He's still lost? He's still lost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where I was going with this, but I don't live in the ghetto, dude. I don't live in the ghetto. <laughs> Dude, I don't know where you were going with this. Really, yeah, I, I had okay. something. I had something going on, but you know, whatever. How about it, you just say like something like, you "I know, applaud you, you bro." Start, for trying. You start from the bottom, and then one day you'll be there. Maybe, maybe. You know <laughs> what? You're just hey, singing a song if, at that if point. So, <laughs> if some of you have like advertisements and like you know, hey, shout us out, dude. We'll we'll shout you guys out. Hey, you know, facts. we uh, we're sponsored by Spicy Q's Barbecue. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's go! <laughs> They're a big success. Yeah, man. Uh, they they, they actually they do a lot of. It's not, hold on, it's not Avenue Twenty Six. It's A V E Twenty Six. Oh, no it's, way. It's a little bit hipster. Oh my a little bit god. Av Twenty Six. Av Av Twenty Six. Oh my god. God, dude. You know, just yeah, we were we were we were out there on on Saturday, and it was it was a good success. Honestly, I think uh, again, kind of going back to the toxic traits. One of them for me is uh, doubt. I think oh. doubt is 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 a toxic trait because the whole time I, I felt like, ah man, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna sell, we're not gonna do this, and sure enough, people started showing up. Um, people started asking questions. We were giving free samples, and boom! All of a sudden, we're like, oh crap! All right, 
hey, this is the order. Hey, this is the order. And then we sold out. And I, within, I was super... You guys sold... Sorry, since you sold out within two hours and a half your first time being there. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. That was insane. Yeah. yeah. That was dope, dude. So for out. for the people out there, follow Spicy Q's Barbecue. We smoke a lot of the meats. Ooh. 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 Mm. Smoke meats. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So, all right. You know, episode two was based off of Kevin and Kevin's background. Um, kind of like a recap of episode one. You know, we we got to uh, hear a little bit about Oscar's story, traveling through the United States of America. America. You know, him and his Prius. You know, yeah, it was just yeah. him, it was just him and his Prius. Mr. Worldwide driving driving USA. You know, so now we're we're gonna kind of like focus on Kevin today and try to hear his story. Um, kind of background uh and you know this the the first segment of this episode that's probably what we're going to be kind of focusing on for the rest of or kind of like what we want to go towards uh having these serious conversations but still kind of getting a laugh or a little kick out of it right yeah so sure. go on kevin tell us who are you so clearly i'm kevin <laughs> uh so yeah so i'm kevin i was born and raised here in south central la so Ooh. All you, all you people that are from the hood, y'all know what's up. What streets, man? Ooh, too many. You know, us Mexicans, we jump everywhere, bro. <laughs> you see, I didn't, I didn't move around a lot. When I, I was did. A kid. You did. We, I like a lot in the same area, though. Okay. I, I moved around a lot in the whole like forties and maybe fifties, shy of fifties. So like forty eighth, forty ninth Street, like. But it's I yeah. moved like locations in like Broadway, Hoover. MLK, you know, Maine, San Pedro, all those there, areas. There's this joke. There's this joke that a community used to say. You know it's a ghetto when they have Martin Luther King as a street. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. Hey, that's messed up. That's pretty hey, prejudiced. But hey. That's, it, I'm, I'm just, don't shoot the message. you say that's racist? Nope. Uh, I think just stereotypes have some sense yep. of truth behind it. Yeah. That's why there's stereotypes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I was born and raised in South Central LA. Uh, pretty much lived there all my life. Mm-hmm. I graduated, damn, I graduated 2013, mm-hmm. went to Cal Poly, go Broncos, graduated in 2017 from Cal Poly, and after Cal Poly, I, I was kind of all over the place. I moved back to LA, then I lived in San Francisco for like a year or two, and mm-hmm. then came back, and now I'm in Long Beach. So last episode you said that Pomona was LA. So now Pomona is in LA. No, I think that we were talking about the borderline of LA counties. Mm, okay, yeah, okay. That, Just Pomona is LA. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I think what, I think Upland or Claremont is when they, they crosses yeah. from San Bernardino County. Yeah, I was trying to buy a house in Claremont, Ooh. and these a holes of the of the bank. Screw the bank. Screw big banks. Um, they're like, oh well, that's a different type of loan out there. And like we were, the loan that you get in LA is higher mm-hmm. than what you get over there. So I was able to afford a house here in Los Angeles that in obviously in Claremont I would be able to afford, but because the the change in county, the loan was different. Yeah, and I was like, oh, dude. But I was like, you know, it was, it was all for a good thing. It was all for a good no, thing because then it, I would be super far away. And, and a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people are moving towards Moreno Valley and Riverside because it's more affordable to find a house out there and mm-hmm. commute over here. That's yeah. that's normal everywhere. It's the same when when I was living in San Francisco, 
quick background story. San Francisco, I was up there because I was working at Google. I was interning at Google. I interned at Google for four months. It was like the best experience of my life. Come on, it's Google, right? So work was great. I lived behind Facebook. Um, there's a, The most expensive city in California, well, at least so I hear, is not San Francisco. It's Silicon Valley. It's that <laughs> little, the peninsula. Uh, that whole area is where Facebook, Apple, Google, the motherboard of Google, everything stays at. So it's super expensive to live there, like insane. So you have people driving from Sacramento, which is a three-hour drive to go to mm-hmm. work yeah. because it's that much cheaper. Because the city's going up, which is now you start getting into South San Francisco, San Francisco, mm-hmm. Mission, and all that stuff, or it's extremely expensive. Yeah. So that's why Google would have even transportation buses pick them up from like Sacramento, San Francisco, Oakland, Bay, uh, East Bay, and drive them down to the Silicon Valley for free because it was really expensive. It was cool. Imagine how rich you, how rich these damn corporations are. Like, hey, you know what? Let's go pick up the dude that lives in Sacramento. Yeah. Like, I don't pay him enough. Yeah, because we don't pay enough, <laughs> and because housing is too expensive no. over here. So and, and, you, and you know they're paid well. This is where I knew why Google is the way it is, is because they honor their employees. Mm. They honor them so well that when I would go, I'll see a bunch of Teslas. And inside the Teslas, all of them were, all their seats were kind of down, and they had pillows and um, covers. And that made me think, they make their employees so happy, make it so accessible that it's a good trade. It's a good business mindset to do that because you keep them working constantly on the clock because they're satisfied. Mm. You're talking about free gym, free food, free laundry, free shower, everything, every amenity you can think of. It was at Google. Even I had access to it That's and crazy. it was insane. So the goal, their idea is like, if we keep our employees happy, they'll stay and look. So yeah, people sleeping in Tesla's. <laughs> yeah. Cause they can't afford housing hey. in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. The fact that you're like willing to stay and like, yo, because you love your job that much because they make it. Like, for me, as like semi tech geek, you every level in every building had, Mm -hmm. you guys can't see the room, but it was a room this big of just free stuff. By free Mm -hmm. stuff, I mean free monitors, free laptop. I mean, like usable laptops, of course, the Google Chrome ones. Um, free keyboards, free chargers, free privacy screens, free everything that you can take for yourself. You know how many mm. chargers I have for my iPhone? Mm. A lot. Sounds like a cult. It is. But um, <laughs> sorry, Google. Sounds like a oh. utopia. For no, real. No, and it's <laughs> insane. No, yeah, it does. It's insane. Like nothing. Everything mm. was free. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Free. So, but I forgot what I was going with this. But point is, mm-hmm. um, you've been around. I've been around. No pun intended. <laughs> California. Um, so I mean, like, tell like I I feel like you went like, super super quick. Like, all right, here. Um, like, tell us about growing up in South Central LA, because mm. you know maybe people don't really understand what it's actually like to grow up in South Central LA. People see movies or maybe they hear it on the radio or the TV or blah, blah blah blah. Right? Tell us what it was like to, or not even to what it was like to live in South Central LA, but like what it was. Like for little Kevin to just be growing up and moving around, like you said, right? You're moving around from you know house to house or apartment to apartment. What what was that like? Um. So before I even start with this convo, 
I don't want, I am not going to, I must share this part of my story based on my perspective, just because mm-hmm. movies have a sense of truth, but they don't always show all the truth. Yes, mm-hmm. South Central is the hood, but like every city has its good and bad parts. Yeah. And I believe even in the midst of the hood, there were certain areas that we know we were a little bit, quote unquote, more safe and more calm and comfortable to be around in as kids than in other streets, which is yeah. normal. So I'll just speak on my behalf on my mm-hmm. on my perspective. Um, it was, I think, as a kid, you don't really realize the the truth of the matter of how the situation really um, you're living in, like your living conditions. Right. How, how I guess you. I don't want to get too into it, but like the system and the way things are made for the certain communities and how they benefit. Mm-hmm. Other communities, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all know that's true. Higher income in a community, higher education, higher resources, lower income, lower resources. That's a fact. And if you're offended, I don't care. Um, but it's a fact. Yeah, we don't care, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so growing up, I, it was not until I got into college where I realized, holy crap, I went through a lot. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize how much my parents struggled, you know. So my upbringings were... Um, pretty good. I think mm-hmm. my parents tried their best to mm-hmm. kind of uh, shelter me from that reality, but mm-hmm. it was inevitable. I mean, my yeah. parents worked; their immigrant parents. Um, my brothers as well. Um, the only me and my sister are the only ones that uh, were born fortunate enough to be born in the states, and. You know, it was an it's inevitable because they worked all the time. Yeah. So we were raised by the streets or by the hood, by our family, whoever. Mm-hmm. And so our my upbringing was definitely very interesting. I think very unstable now that I look back, just because of the moving. Mm-hmm. I think that moving really hurt a lot because there was no consistency or no, no stability in our in my family and yeah. in in the living situation. That even friendships were kind of hard to cultivate. You know, I went to two elementary schools, three different middle schools every year. I went to two high schools. Damn. And every, imagine middle school, every year I went to a different school. Mm. You know, and and it was just, it was not because, oh, we're kind of forced, but we had no choice, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But my upbringing was, I guess, yes, there was a lot of gang violence. I did have an older brother who... Uh, at that time, was involved. So, I mean, you as a little kid... You're exposed. Yeah, you're exposed. Yeah. And I wanted to follow my big brother's steps, so mm-hmm. I got involved. You know, we would like wake up at 4 a.m. and go tag up the walls and, you know, and just stuff like that. And, of course, you know, this... This is my old past. <laughs> I just imagine Kevin with some Cortezes, some uh, really? 501s. Exactly. My Dickies all, there you, you know, go. creased up. Creased up. Yeah. Come on, man! Dang, with the did you get the starch, did the you, spray. Did you use Pro Club or or Pro Five, or was it no? no, no is it Pro same. Five? No. no. Well, they're kind of different, but they're, they're same. Different. Yeah, the same. Yeah. So yeah. I, when you had like G Unit, <laughs> the G Unit Fat Farm. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. yeah. Dude, Echo. They, Echo. Rock South Pole. Pole. Mm-hmm. You see, South Pole is like the the Ross, right? You, you got yeah. you got like like you know Fat Farm is probably like maybe the Macy's. Okay. And the yeah, baby fat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. And then, and then like South Pole is like, oh, you, you get that at Mervyn's for all the old heads. Sean John? Sean John. A place called Dino's, dude. Anyways. Um, so you mentioned your brother. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned your brother that he was the one that wasn't born here. So it, so it's three of you and it's you and your sister that was born here. Correct. But your brother wasn't. Right. Okay. So then your mom again, right? She she your your mom and your dad. Oh, so I I know it's kind of hard cuz we know we kind of spoke about this yeah. technically already, but yeah, yeah. My yes, I grew up. I didn't grow up with my parents together. My parents got divorced when I think, if I'm not mistaken, five or six. Mm-hmm. So very young age. Um, mm-hmm. So that in itself was kind of tough. Um, you know, it's tough whether you would like to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, that psychologically does something to a kid, whether we realize it now or down the line when you're adults. You know, yeah. and but I think growing up was kind of a bit tough because it was Monday through Friday. I was with my mom. Mm-hmm. And then two weekends out of the month, I'll be with my dad. And it was tough because you had two different style dynamics. You know, I, my mom grew up, raised us in a very Christian household. Well, my dad was Christian. And, well, now he is again, but growing up he was. But then he completely left the church for mm-hmm. a very long time. And, and kind of going back into that, it was different because... My brother decided to go and live with my dad mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of my mom, not mm-hmm. having the troublesome of feeding three children. Yeah. You know, and my mom was young. My mom at 22 had three kids. So. Damn, 22. My, yeah, well, not got out them, but my brother's 29. My mom's 46. What are you doing with your life, Kat? No, imagine. Wow. Dude, no. <laughs> it, like, but this is, again, it's it's hard because I'm like, wait, did we talk about it in the first in the first episode? Did we talk about it in the second episode? But it's kind of like the whole thought of what the hell were our parents thinking? For real. Coming to a country where there were probably like some of 12, 13, 14, some were 20, some were, but there were still kids. Let's just say that. Yeah. There were still kids. Coming to a country where they didn't know the language. They right. didn't know the culture. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's it's just crazy to me to think. And it's like, wow. Like, y'all, y'all are amazing. Y'all yeah. are amazing. I mean, at that point, it just shows the human, like, desire to survive. Yeah. That you yeah. just want a better life for yourself. Yeah. And it's not even for yourself. It's more even, like, oh, the selflessness yeah. uh, for your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my mom, unfortunately, left her dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's never seen her dad in the last 20 years. And he passed away a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, the sacrifice that she made for us, you know, is, is something that we definitely don't want to take in, in vain. But I have to be honest that the sacrifice, and I appreciate it, we need to learn to have these conversations with our parents. Mm-hmm. Because I know I'm kind of fast forwarding a lot, but... In college, this kind of created a subconscious pressure mm. of me to succeed and to move mm. because yeah. I was pressured to feel I cannot be the first one to go to college and be the first mess up. I need to prove to my mom that and my parents that what they did wasn't in vain. And that's very hard for a first-generation Latino. Going to school when you have no help, you know, no one in your family has gone to college but you. Yeah. I was lucky. I had an older brother that did it before me. Yeah. But, do you, and then this is a question, it's crazy where, like, do you feel your parents are, like, proud of you because you did that? Or it was more, well, we, we expected you to do it. So, it's, it's mm. not a surprise. Ooh, good question. I think it's a half and half for me. I feel like I, 
did things one because I know it would bring honor their sacrifice and mm-hmm. be proud of them and also in a way prove to them that what they did wasn't wrong mm-hmm. so yes but at the same time it's something I genuinely liked I've always mm-hmm. liked learning um, whether it's something new something different doesn't matter that's why sometimes I feel like it's I'm so unstable in my career choices because I'm just a hard worker I think I got that from my parents that wherever you put me I learned mm-hmm. like now I worked in restaurants all my life I was a restaurant manager and I'm a medical te- technician and I didn't even study for it but here I am I'm not saying I'm the best but I'm doing and I learn quick and these are two mm-hmm. completely different fields and I don't it's always been my thing you know mm-hmm. and so yes half of that came more like oh because in a way they kind of expect me to mm-hmm. do it but the other half it kind of just grew naturally and you know I, I saw you working on Saturday, right? We we kind of worked together where you were kind of hopping from from my my spot to, to Ephraim. Um, and dude, like the way that you were like kind of able to connect with the client with the clients, right? I was like, dude, this who got it. Like this, like I don't know what it is, and some people just don't have it. But the the fact that you're able to go up to someone and be like, hey, let me sell you this, and you're just able to sell it to them. I was like, damn, man. Like, I know I don't have that. I don't have that Kevin, at all, dude. Kevin is a beast. Dude. He's on, he's like a a cyborg when he goes into work. Yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely noticed when he left, right, where people, I mean, people were still coming to, to eat my food, but they weren't having that conversation, mm, right? Maybe okay. because, like, I was kind of, like, trying to yeah. figure everything out. But I was like, damn, Kevin just, he killed it. He was killing it. Um. But kind of going back, right? To let, let I have a question. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you think that this sense of like performance, you having to perform and like having that sense of pressure from your parents to perform to a certain expectation, did it kill inside of you a sense of uh, your dreams and fulfilling something that you really wanted to do? I don't know why I was going to say 100%, but I feel like it's 100% a factor yeah. on on it creating certain habits, yeah. subconscious habits, and that did affect me on the long term. Uh, being performance-based is very <laughs> o- good and bad at the same time because... It's we get into this the unhealthy way of this is that we get into this performance level where we just need to perform, perform, perform. That when we're not performing, we don't know who we are. Yeah. We lose that aspect of identity, and so I think it did play a big factor. I think um, me and you had this conversation, and um, and it was a beautiful conversation because it made me realize that I subconsciously was so hard on myself in work and in everything I do. Because I always felt I had the need to prove to my parents that I'm actually mm-hmm. capable of doing something. Yeah. And I'm capable and being like, yo, I'm performing, I'm performing. And when I don't see it, that's when I, things get very blurry for me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, I don't see it, then this is not, this is not my be it. Yeah. Oh, this isn't it. This is not what I really want to do in life. And it's just, you spiral down this rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Dude, you, uh, sorry, he, he almost dropped his mic. Um, calling you out, buddy. 
Yeah, Oscar, what the hell? No, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and that was so, a demon <laughs> that moved it. But definitely, no, yeah, I for sure played a part, you know, and kind of going back to learning that, hey, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Like, I have my own time. And I think that's a, that performance base could even lead to other toxic traits like comparing yourself and mm-hmm. having lack of self-value mm-hmm. at that point. That's when we spoke about earlier about, like, some toxic traits. I think that's where a lot of my possessiveness and jealousy and envy could come into play if it's not, obviously, um, maintained or managed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's because... I'm con- I grew up in an environment where I needed to prove and compare that I'm doing yeah, good. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, definitely a good question, dude. But definitely, yeah, that's a trait that I feel that cost it. And I think we need to be mindful of that, you know, when when we build relationships and you're like, or not even mindful, but going back to even have these type of conversations with your parents saying like, yeah. hey, like giving them the giving them the benefit of doubt, stating Hey, I know what you did was the best you could, but we can still talk about the things that did affect us. You know, I I like I like the fact because look, to be honest with you, I can't have a deep conversation with my parents. Mm-hmm. I can't. This is an argument that me and Julie have talked about. You know how I mentioned me being emotionally unavailable. Well, thanks to my parents, right? Um, <clears throat> but I I have been. I do have certain conversations with them. And for me, one of the questions that I've always... I've always been curious of the story. Just their story. And I think that's just something I've always asked for people. Hey, what's your story? How'd you get here? What, What brings you to this place right now? And honestly, I think there's nothing more beautiful than hearing someone's like immigration story. Especially for the people... Especially for us, especially with that are like those that are first generation, where it's like, hey, like, you know, how'd you get here? Like, what made you? What made you come? Where did you go first? What? What? What is it? What is it that brought you here? And I feel like that's where our. I truly believe that that's where our uh, kind of like the the fire to succeed or that fire to kind of pursue or just be better right like Mm kind of what you're talking about just perform because our parents had to perform right yeah shit like and they beat the process they united states they beat your borders they came through yeah so have you did you ever have that conversation with maybe your maybe i don't know if you had it with your mom or with maybe just with your dad or maybe just with both of them about how they actually got here yeah it's actually yeah it's a story that I actually like hearing all the time. It it because it just throws me back. I think we grew up looking at our parents and subconsciously just know them as our parents. I mean, mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to get to is that we sometimes forget that our parents are human. Yeah, that they yeah. were once our age. Yeah, that they also have emotions. That they also go through stuff because mm-hmm. parents are really good to not show these emotions to quote-unquote not burden the children growing mm. up like you know, putting them in a bubble kind of yeah and that mm-hmm. and that's a double-edged sword in itself which we can definitely discuss mm-hmm. about but so once you get to the ingredient and start asking them like hey like what is your story and that which i've done and i recently did that with my dad which i didn't have 
a big relationship, a good relationship with him until mm-hmm. like I was 22. That's when I... Wow, 22. Yeah, it took me 22 years to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Um, but they become more relatable because mm. you lose the parent aspect and you're like, holy crap, these guys are actually human. And to think that they went through all this for us, mm-hmm. you know? And it kind of just makes, it begs the question, what traumas do they still have that we we haven't even discussed and we they haven't even themselves discussed or even acknowledged mm-hmm. or even noticed? And I think this is why our conversations, it's not for this. I, mm, oh, sorry. It's just, I'm getting a lot of like topics in my head, but I think it's, I know. And I Write them down, buddy, because we'll forget. Now I understand the importance of going back to talk to your parents of your upbringing, not because it's for you, and it's not not because you want to get something off your chest. Like, hey, you hurt me, and I want you to know that. Yeah, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's having these conversations with our parents will also kind of bring freedom to their trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of facing these things that parents will never talk. I feel like it's our job to go back to question and answer and ask questions about their upbringings mm. not for us to get healing but to create that space and talk things that they were never taught to talk about you know do you think that you could have that conversation with your mom and dad i believe yeah i mm-hmm. believe with my mom more than my dad mm-hmm. but my dad we had a conversation i uh for me and again we're being raw and everything for me I had to talk to my dad because my dad growing my dad at the time was a wife beater, was alcohol, um, alcoholic and all that stuff. So we experienced all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a womanizer. You know, he had. Was this like? Did you see this in the home, or was it like once they had like separated? No, this is something we grew up seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, kind of interesting fact, is that. Out of all my siblings, I'm the only one that can't remember my dad ever hitting my mom or my dad cheating well, on my mom. How old were you? I was of age. I was five and six. Where my wow. yeah. And you remember it vividly? No, no, no. I'm oh, the only one that does can't remember. Yeah. Wow. While my brother and my younger sister can remember can remember some stuff, and I can't. And that kind of just that kind of just goes to show the different sides of trauma, how. Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's not, but it's. A, I feel like that's something that I would le- definitely love to tap into eventually. Yeah. Um, but what I was getting to, well, I actually lost my train of thought. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. You I know? mean, I think the whole thing about trauma, like, you know, some some people, again, I've never experienced this, but like a lot of survivors of sexual assault, they'll say, I just don't remember. Right. And that's just the brain kind of shutting off and protecting itself. Right. From those memories. Right. So, I mean, I, I see how that could be possible where, you know, maybe it's your maybe it's just a function of your brain where it's just wanting to protect itself. Um, however, you know, that's where a lot of things kind of come up and you're just like, where the heck is this coming from? Right. Where oh, is this coming from? Now, remember what I was getting to. Mm. I had to have this conversation with my dad because even though I don't vividly remember seeing it doesn't mean I did not see it. So. When I got into this relationship with my girlfriend, Itzy, I began to notice traits that were very out of character of mine. Very like, why am I... And the trait would be, why am I 
not prioritizing my girlfriend over everything else, meaning like where it needs to be, what's corrected, meaning friends, you know, spend time with the guys, going out, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we all understand that there's a level of compromise and commitment that comes with relationships. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the straight up mind that I just, for some weird reason, I would rather talk to you guys than her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why. It was not until I was digging deep within myself and trying to figure out these matters of the heart or like these traumas and all this stuff that I realized that I'm subconsciously and slowly be started becoming the same person I saw growing up, mm-hmm. which was my father. My dad never prioritized my mom. My dad left my mom at home. My dad would leave the house from Wednesday to Sunday to go party with his friends and never gave her that time of day. And so when I realized that, it was one in a way breakthrough because I was like, oh, crap. Like, damn, I have this toxic trait because of this. It was a bit annoying personally for me because I became the person I did not want to be. And that's what happens when you don't deal with the matters with the matters of your your issues and your trauma and everything you got through. You end up becoming the exact person you don't want to be. Yeah. And um, so this is why I confronted my dad. We had a five hour conversation. Damn, five hours. Yeah, five hours. I know. I I could barely hold a thirty minute conversation with him. <laughs> so imagine. So where we had a five hour combo, and I just told them, hey, like. I'm reaching out not to condemn you or meaning guilt trip you or accuse you of all the mistakes you've done. Mm-hmm. One, I have to tell them I am sorry and I forgive you because I understand that your upbringing was completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did the best you could. Yes, you're human, you make mistakes. So I just want you to know that, you know, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Even though if he didn't come from him, I told him I forgive you, you know. And just, I'm not having this conversation for you. I'm having this conversation for us to understand why I am the way I am. When you when you told him, like, you forgave him, right? Did he, was he able to acknowledge, oh, shit, like, you know, like, my, my son is able to kind of look past all the stuff that I kind of put my family through? Or was like, well, there's nothing really to forgive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny because, yes, at that moment, he was able to, he was taken back because he thought this conversation, I don't know, I don't know what he thought, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he thought my point of me reaching out for him or reaching out to him to have a combo was going to come out to. Yeah. But it kind of made me like, think back, like, oh, like he, I saw his reaction was like more like taken back. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like, damn, all right. Like, so you really want to have this type of conversation. That's mm. when you realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I had to learn to forgive because there will be moments where parents will kind of just say stupid things. But I knew, I felt some type of way towards him because there were times mm-hmm. where he would just mention, I just want you to know that I did everything I could and I know I did the, I was the best dad I could ever be towards you. And then for me, it was just like, in my own toxic behavior, I was like, that's, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You yep. clearly weren't. So it's why, how can that's created more anger towards him because I was like, how can you say something like that when I know inevitably you didn't, mm-hmm. you know? But mm-hmm. so do you think that you, your issue with your dad was him acknowledging him thinking that he did the best job with you guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, that, 
So my question is, was his upbringing the same way? Because I, I have this conversation with people all the time where it's like, you see, some people, they normalize alcoholism. They normalize the cheating. They normalize the machismo and all these toxic traits. Right. And to them, that's, well, that's just how we all act. Do you feel like that's where it was kind of coming from? Yeah. And that's where we had to get into the conversation before I even asked him for forgiveness. I was like, hey, I legit asked him, how was your upbringing, dad? Mm -hmm. How was your dad with you? Okay. And it was then that I understood why he acted the way he was with me. Because mm -hmm. it's 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 the same way. Well, we're like sponges growing up. Yeah. We take everything and that somehow wires our brain to act that way. And then this it can't it can be immediate and it can be traits that come out later in life. Like they are coming out now. Yeah. You know? But um Definitely, it was an interesting conversation, and yeah. So, go ahead, go ahead. What do we do when, let's say, our uh, family member, let's say, our, in this case, our dad, won't admit to it being wrong what he did? Like, what will we do in that situation? In in that situation, it's there's two things, and it's a it's a it's. It has to do with you and him. With you, it's what are your motives? Are you expect are you genuinely trying to understand your father? Or are you just trying to are you expecting a I want you to feel the guilt? So you know? you're basically coming with no expectation of forgiveness. Uh yes and no. I guess yes, but understanding that mm -hmm. I'm having this conversation for yourself. For your myself. Mm -hmm. I I'm not expecting and it's hard because we subconsciously do, but I'm not expecting a response, you know, and if he believes that, that's okay. That's his problem. Um, his, his reaction and his belief is not my responsibility. At the end of the day, I had this conversation with him for me, for my sake, because I needed to grow. Mm. And that's, that, and it's creating, do we, going through that to stop those traits of mas um, hyper-masculinity, machismo, you know, all this stuff, you know, yeah. so... So basically you're saying that you don't need an apology to be able to heal. You don't need someone telling you, hey, I'm sorry about what I did to you to heal. Right. And I think yeah. it's it's kind of understanding... It depends. I think we expect that, but we have to be very realistic that... Yeah. You're not going to get, get that. Yeah. You're not... And sometimes you can't. You're, mm -hmm. And you're not. You're going to have to learn how to forgive yourself and forgive him whether the other person heard you or not. But don't you think most people are expecting that? Oh, definitely. Then they're, they're probably falling into false expectations. Exactly. Because you don't want to you don't want to expect something that you probably know you're not going to get. Right. right? Like, I mean, it's he, easy to expect it from or, not, or have false expectations with friends. Right. And, and, and be OK with not having that. But with your own dad, I think it hits almost like a. A place because it's your father, yeah. you know? It's the one yeah. that brought you to the world. You would think, okay, at least in this relationship, he should apologize for what he did to me. But then that's where you need to be very realistic and be like, what happens if I don't ever get that apology? Are you going to decide to stay stagnant and I move forward? Mm -hmm. Or use it as an excuse for your untoxic behavior that you yourself have power to overcome and learn. Yeah. And it's, so I think it ultimately depends on the person and their motives. That's why I said, yeah. if your motive is you're expecting an apology, then unfortunately, there might be a chance that, hey, you're going to get it. There's going to be a high possibility you're not, and you're going to be disappointed. So mm -hmm. 
understanding and having the healthy mindset on why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, is it? It's like, it's like when, is it? We, we could compare it to. I, I struggle with pride as well. When we are right, we have the option to decide: Am I trying to be right because I want to be right, mm-hmm. or am I trying to be right because it's the right thing to do? There's a big difference. Yeah. You know, the outcome could be the same, but the intentionalities are different. At that point, you know you're being prideful, you're being humbled. You're mm. trying to teach someone like, hey, this is the right thing to do. Where like, no, I'm just telling you because it's right and it's edifying me it, and my ego. Like that second one, right? The second right. one that you just mentioned. Those are the people that are like, they, told, they tell you they're right. And then they realize that they're right or they find out that they're right. And then they're like, I told you so. Right. The, I told you so, people. Yeah. Right? And then the, that's dangerous. That's pride. That's yeah. prideful right there because it's like, hey, I told you, right, that this was what's going to happen. And it's like, well, you know, let let people figure it out, right? Like if, if they didn't believe it, all right, okay, let them, let them go through it. Let them figure it out on their own. And kind of goes back to like the whole bubble thing or the sheltering your children, which a lot of our, I mean, I know my parents did. Kevin mentioned it. And then even Oscar mentioned it in the last episode. Um, but... I, I feel like the beginning of this episode kind of segued into what I'm going to ask you right now about the relationship. How is the, your relationship with your, with your, with your, you know, you kind of talked about the relationship you had with your dad, right? What about with your siblings? How, how was that like for you? Ooh, um, damn, that's, that's a lot. So to answer your question, um, it was very interesting. Again, kind of going more into depth of what my upbringing was with my my sister and my brother. I grew up more with my sister because my brother, believe it or not, I don't know what age, he decided to live with my dad when my parents got divorced. It was not until I was an adult that he told me that the reason why he left to move with my dad was because he thought to himself, if I stay with my mom, she's going to have to feed three people. Mm. So he took it upon himself as a kid. How old was he? I don't know. But this, I mean, they got divorced when I was six. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a year or two later he moved with my dad. Like, So I don't know. He's only, what, two, three years older than me. So I'm assuming 10 to 11 to have that mentality that I'd rather go live with my dad because I don't want to burden my mom with food is insane to me. Mm. And it really brought some clarity where my brother was coming from. That's incredible. Right? And so, so with my sister, we grew up pretty, I guess, close in a way. But it was hard. I think I had to really take care of her since me, my brother, and my sister went to different schools. Me and my mm-hmm. sister were always kind of plugged in if at the time could, like meaning we're both in middle school, we'll go to the same middle school. My okay. brother went to a different middle school. Um, so I kind of had to be another parent. You know, I would cook for her. I would make sure we'll get home safe. We'll take the mm-hmm. bus together. I was there for her. What made us food? She's younger? Yeah. She's, okay. she's only like a year and a half younger than me. And so it was very, again, not even talking about this. It kind of looks back how 
realizing having this conversation with you makes me realize that I, I need to go back and learn or need to learn how to be a sibling or a brother, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. it's like in the aspect with my sister, I did see her, my sister, but my goal was more like, I need to make sure she's okay. I need to protect her. I need to make sure that she's eating. I need to make sure that we you know we're safe getting home from school. She, you know, keeping an eye on her when my parent, my mom is gone. Right. And You're parentified. Hmm? You were parentified. I didn't even know that was a word. <laughs> it's kind of like where, you know, you, you usually see this in the, a lot of, you know, first generation households or like even low, in, like just low income households where, you know, the older sibling kind of steps into the role of the parent because the parent isn't there for whatever reason. Right. Right. In most parts, you know, in our backgrounds, it's usually because our parents were probably working a nine to five or even more. Right. And they just weren't there. So, you know, and that, that's the story of a lot of like kids w- that we grew up with. Hey, well, I, I need to take my, I need to make sure my little brother, little sister makes home, makes it home on time. Right. Yeah. And so that was kind of our dynamic. We grew very close, but at the same time we were, I think we didn't really have a space since we had to share a room. And we got mm-hmm. older, puberty started happening. I went through my, you know, mood, you know, mm-hmm. mood changes. She did, and I had to witness it. Mm-hmm. We were in the same room until the age I was 17. So it's hard because we had no privacy. We always shared a room. And so it was different, specifically with a guy and a girl. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's different. different. You need privacy growing up. So that dynamic is different. Um with my brother, I guess there wasn't, looking back, I can see why there wasn't, there isn't, even to this day, our relationship hasn't really progressed to a very deep relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's pretty, majority of it is surface level. I'm not saying all of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have moments mm-hmm. where we talk, but it's, it hasn't gotten further than surface level. You know, and I think the reason why was the fact that we didn't live in the same household. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up separately. He grew up with a different whole set of rules. What do you mean by that? Uh, so my parents, again, my mom was uh, very, uh, we grew up Christian when they separated. My dad left the church. Me and my mom, me and my mom and my sister stayed and we continued going to church while my brother and my dad stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. And so our upbringings and values and morals and all that stuff were completely different because I was being taught one thing while my brother was being taught another thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself being created more of a separation because I will see my brother do things that I wasn't allowed to do. Do you think you had resentment towards your brother? Yeah. Honestly, I feel now with... Realizing that I do or I did and probably still do. Yeah, because if I look back, I would subconsciously get angry at the fact, hey, why is he able to do things Mm. and not me? Why am I, quote unquote, stuck with all these rules and limitations at the time since we went to a very religious church, very conservative? Mm -hmm. Um, I was limited to so much things and here he was having the best time of his life, Right. Right. Do you feel like, I mean, as as now, right? You kind of like, yeah, you know, um, I see, I see why, 
why certain things happen, right? But at that age, did you ever feel like, damn, he's living the life that I kind of want? Yeah, for sure. Because it's, it's, I think my nature, and it's always been my nature, I've never loved to be, I guess, limited in a way of like, the idea of kind of like being stuck between four walls. You know, I never like to be told what to do or have the limitation or like never the option. I've never liked not having the option to do what I want. Gotcha. You know, and so that's why in growing up, of course, this is more, again, further down the line. But Mm -hmm. I was, if you go back and get to meet some of my old friends and people that saw me in my college days and high school days, I was very rebellious, but in a way that I would do things because I just did them and I didn't care. You know, I was very rebellious, mm. rebellious in every aspect. And I was just always, quote unquote, so down to earth that I would do things that kids wouldn't want to do, even at church. Talk about topics that hence were considered taboo or at the time the church weren't willing to have. So but, you're, you were the problem child, dude. Oh, for <laughs> sure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. He would TP houses. <laughs> he was like, hey, man, let's go egg these people, dude. Nah, let's we'll, go throw I, rocks throw, at people's windows. That's, that's what I would do. We'll throw, we'll throw uh, the, the nueces oh from our tree. We'll God, collect a lot dude. of them from our tree. And the cars pass, we'll like throw them and hit their windows oh, and just dude. hide. Oh, so that was you. That was me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Right. So, yeah. Remind me not to get Kevin. So, first. imagine imagine <laughs> having those limitations in a strict parent and seeing your sibling acting a whole different way. Like, of course I was jealous, you know? If if you had an example, right? If you could give us one example of one thing, like, you were jealous of your brother, right? Or not jealous of your brother, but kind of like the lifestyle, right? Something that he had that you couldn't do. What was that? I guess the liberty to go out and enjoy, you know, the the things that come with high school. And in mm. middle school, meaning like the dances, the parties, the, you know, the, the, yeah. the sneak away. The, the things don't get you in trouble, man. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, the things that, you know, like, holy crap, I'm having like, this is legal, right? But having my first drink at, you know, 15 or something, mm-hmm. you know, do it, having the opportunity to explore that. I was mm. jealous because growing up, due to the conservative mindset at the time, I wasn't allowed to even participate in like quinceañeras oh. or anything, you know. You know, you were? No, I was. I, I was. That's uh, crazy. They didn't let me. They didn't, they didn't let, let me. me. Hmm. No, and I the my one. My parents were Christian though, and they were okay with certain things. Yeah, my mm. parents were Christian too, right? That's right. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah. The are all the parents were Christian. Um, I think there's levels. Yeah, right. There's levels to this Christianity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, it's just religious, <laughs> religion in itself. A uh, whole different topic. But um, no, definitely. Like my, I remember the first time she ever let me be in a in a in a quince. I was like 15, and she purposely only went to ensure that I wasn't part of the baile sorpresa, uh, anything like that. Like she was like. Like, you're only going to do the, the, the vault, you know? Um, I don't know what that is, but it sounds no, familiar. You know, the, the, the little walk uh, everyone does? Like, you know, that little, like, yeah, formal dude. dance they do at I, I 
don't remember the last quince I went to. I know this year we're going to have a lot of quinces, but... <laughs> I, you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll, re- yeah. you'll remember I'll what remember, I said. Right, yeah. You know, my off-key voice, you'll, you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because we, we kind of have the same background where it's like uh, my, my, my parents didn't let us. Like, and it was kind of embarrassing. I was like, what the hell? Like, why? What's so wrong with it? Again, that whole conservative, con- like, I'm not saying conservative, conservative, but that Christian kind of thinking, way of thinking of, no, well, that's, that's not what we do. Right. So do you feel like all that stuff kind of still hinders the relationship between you and your brother? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. I have another question, too, I guess, to just add on to that. Like, do you think your brother maybe has some resentment towards you as well? Because who knows, like, what was his dynamic growing Mm -hmm. up with your dad that had connection issues? And and he saw, you know, your dad beat your mom and all that. Like, don't you think there's something there as well? well? Yeah. I mean, well, to answer your question, Oscar, um, specifically, well, yeah, of course. I think um, I said this in the last episode. Out of all of us, I 100% believe that my brother experienced the most traumatic experience out of us three because he was more older and more aware of what was going on. Mm. And it's usually the older child that tends to get the worst naturally because of the upbringings. They're like... If we're honest, the first kid is always the trial run. Like, let's be honest. You know, <laughs> like, the experiment. It, it is. Yeah, it is. Were, were you the experiment? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did talk about, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, and you, you understand being the first child. You know, the middle child is like, you're, no, you're not there. It's weird. Middle child is a completely different story. And then the, usually uh, the last child gets it the best because it's like your parents already had two people that have ruined their lives. And so the third one is think, not ruined. I think the middle <laughs> child, though, has a very like they're very conflicted and because you're not the youngest and you're not the oldest definitely and right. you have this almost like invisible competition that you got going on with mm-hmm. trying to compete for your parents attention right yeah, yeah. that's all yeah especially when you were i mean you it sounds like with you you're the middle child but you're the middle child for most of your life right because you right. say your sister was a little bit uh younger than you like i know for myself I was the youngest child for 10 years, and then the, the youngest one came along. Um, so then I was like, what the hell is this? Like, where's my attention at? Right. right. And it, I, I think it does come with, like, the, that kind of confliction and, like, like all right, hey, look look at me. Look look what I'm doing. Hey. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, but kind of, like, going back, and I want to, damn it, I forgot the question I had asked you. Do you remember? The... Damn it, Oscar. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool because... Uh, what, what, what did he ask us before you, uh, you it's asked cool. the question? If, if you don't remember, it's cool. I could just uh, rebound off of the question he gave. For sure. Go for it. So he asked, right, if your brother had kind of like resentment because he was living with your dad, right? Do you feel like he has resentment towards you or your sister because he had to choose? He was the one that had yeah, to make the decision. Like, hey, I'm I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna be a burden for my mom, and I'm gonna choose to live with my dad, even if I wanted to live with my mom. I mean, I generally can't answer that because I'm not him, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So I. But do you feel it? I was gonna get to that. Uh, 
So yeah. I feel it, Kevin. I don't feel it. <laughs> Do you feel it now, Mr. Krabs? If you're a SpongeBob fan, you should know that. Um, but it, I can't say, but thinking about it, I mean, it makes 100% sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't he? You know, to know, knowing that you sacrificed yourself for your siblings and not once were acknowledged by it, I could just imagine what that cost in him, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, who wouldn't? You know, that's, you know, we've talked about this. For a child to think that way is very... Mature. Yeah. And, but, you know, how that can develop in the future is a whole different story. and. Right. So maybe too, like, may I have resentment? Maybe he has. I, you know, I'm not sure. But this is where we go back to having these conversations and mm-hmm. humbling yourselves and willing to have these conversations just to really, you know, kind of like figure out where you guys are at. Do you guys bump heads a lot? Oh, for sure, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, I think, I think we've gotten better at it, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's like the whole big brother me and, you know, trying to big brother each other, you know, because it's kind of looking back like he's always going to be my big brother, mm-hmm. but like I'm no longer a kid. I'm a man now. Oh, and man. I'm a man, you know? <laughs> oh, damn, dude. Get some bass in that voice. Because he has chest hairs. Bro. Yeah. I, 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 I sent some jealousy, Oscar. I think, I think you're like the hairiest one. Because like I remember like you having these shirts. And like you could see like the bush coming out of it. Okay, it's not a bush, <laughs> you liar. I'm trying to look at my. It's like, what is this? Me. The '70s, bro? Like, yeah, it's classy. Do kind of like you know? Since we're talking about the dynamic between you and your brother, right? Did Did you guys ever get into like a fist fight? Oh, for sure. I. <laughs> Dude, my sophomore time. year, I I, don't, I need to find my ID. I I took my high school ID picture with a black eye. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, dude. And my brother was a troubled kid, man. Um, he, I never held it against him. I mean, the moment I did, you know, who who wants mm-hmm. to forgive the brother after getting your ass beat by him for yeah. no reason, right? Um, but and I wouldn't say no reason, you know, he. At times when I was there, I think the first time I think it was a moment <laughs> where he wasn't, I guess, all there. Mm-hmm. And I get uh, you. so And you're you're being a punk. No, um <laughs> one of them one of the, so look so okay, so like again, I mean I can be honest, but I guess it's not my story, but whatever. Mm-hmm. The first time it happened, I don't know what was going through on my brother, but I had just came back from church and Think about this. Me and my brother sharing a twin-size bed. Ugh. A twin-size bed that big. Yeah. You know, you can't see it. <laughs> Literally, I pointed. But you guys know what a twin-size bed is. For kids. Right. He had moved in with my mom again for a while because something happened with my dad. I forgot. Oh, and my dad was gone, actually. That's a whole different topic. My dad left to Mexico for four years or so. Um, but we were sleeping, and I remember I was coming back from church. At the time, my brother was partying a lot. He was partying mm-hmm. with college students. We had living upstairs that were really dope people, by the way. <laughs> they were really cool. Uh, he'll get lit, you know, and that night I came home from church. He, we usually share the bed. He was drunk, and he, had, he was spread out. So me like, okay, 
what do I do to like, you know, like move him. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to move him. Um, he wasn't budging, you know, natural response, like, uh, leave me mm-hmm. alone, you know, but that's, you know, just subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. I got fresh air. I was like, yo, can you like move? Like it's, I need, I need to sleep. And I got frustrated and I was like, fine, there was enough of a gap. So I throw my pillow and it hits him in the head. <laughs> and dude, it was just quick. He just got up and was like, dude, what the hell are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, bro, like I'm trying to sleep. And then bam, straight to the face. All right here. My nose was like swollen all the way up. Instant. Oh, so, like so- it was a fat punch, dude. Mm. Fat, like he knocked me down. Like it mm. was that rough, and I felt bad because I wasn't expecting that. I was, I wasn't even trying to fight, right? Mm. But I mean, in that, in it, at that moment, he thought I was, and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna be like, "Oh, do you're wrong." No, dude, it's you thought that's your perspective. That was my perspective. It is what it is. It happened, right? Right. But um, yeah, dude, he it got it was so bad. No, he got me good, dude. That was like a sick-ass sucker punch. I look back like, holy shit. That was pretty. And then it feels good. intoxicated, too. Like, imagine he wasn't. <laughs> he exactly. Was he would probably knock your ass out. Yeah. And so, it was good. My brother was a natural fighter, just hands mm-hmm. down. He always has. You know, that's one thing I've always thought it was what he loves to fight. You know, mm-hmm. not that he looks for fights. is that he's like, he knows that, hey, dude, don't mess with me because I'm not afraid to fight. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right? I just felt bad because at that instant... <laughs> My mom kicked him out, and this was, like, in the middle of the night. And, dude, this guy was 17, 16, mm-hmm. you know? Kicked him out, he packed his bags and just left. And um, I don't know where he went, you know? I It was so... That punch was so bad, dude, that we were contemplating going to school. And when I did go to school, I had to be very mindful because... And I had to, like, have a, my explanation ready... Mm-hmm. And called the school beforehand, letting them know what happened. And then my brother got kicked out because, you know, school districts, when they see a kid bruised up, yeah. they assume the parents. And my mom was, that was her fear. Like, they're going to take me away and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Typical parent, but it yeah. makes sense. It, it happened to me. I, I, But yeah, go ahead. You know, like I almost didn't go to school for a whole week because of it. That's how bad it got. I was skipped one day, but I had to go back. I was in right. high school. Uh, so that one was that. The other one, the other time he punched me, I think remember was Thanksgiving. Ah, that was me being stupid. I was fucking just picking at the bear. Ah. Mm-hmm. And I deserve that one. Um, Would you say those those moments of violence, were they traumatic for you? They, no, um... You still, like, keep them in there? No. I think... No, because I knew... I know my brother enough to understand that Yes, he's a tough guy, but that guy has a pretty soft heart, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it's weird. I never hated him or I never felt resentment towards him because of that. I think re- realizing that my resentment uh, came comes from more like him having the liberty than actually him beating me up. Mm. You know, it was never that because I, I knew immediately he regretted it. Even until this day. He doesn't like talking about it because of the shame and regret and guilt. And I, mm. there's, and I sometimes now thinking about it now, I would love to have that combo to kind of give him a peace of mind. Like, hey, like, it's cool. It's cool. Mm. You know, like, I never once hold it. Like, it's funny. Looking back, I never once hated him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think the resentment was there, but not because of the beat. It was more because of the 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 style of us, our upbringings, yeah. I guess. And that was going to be like my next question for you, where are you guys kind of able to talk about these certain moments? Yeah. And like, are you guys able to like, just about like, that. dude, remember when I fucking punched you right in the face, <laughs> dude? Like I decked you so hard. Dude. But so it's, it sounds like he just, it's. He kind of just shuts down. He's like, yeah, yeah, and like looks down and nods his head. Right. And it's just like, he regrets it. And for me, I feel like I would love, like I said, I would love to have that combo to let him know that, dude, it's fine. Like, it's a brother thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it was shitty at first, but it happened. Like, I'm not going to be like, you punch me, dude. Like, we, yeah. we fought all the time. We wrestled, we fought. Like, that was a natural thing. Like, we used to fight with my sister. You know, it was always a three-year-old things where we worked together. Mm-hmm. It was always my sister. Not always, but there were times where it was my sister and my brother against me. Then it'll be my brother and me against my sister. Then it'll be my sister and me against my brother. And then we all hated each other at some point. And then, you know, it's just the siblings. It's it's It happens, you know. Um, you know, because we're kids. You know, we're all growing up. You know, kids. We know we kids. Only think of ourselves because we're kids. Right. What we yeah. want. What we want. What we and, want. And do you, know? you guys... I think I want to get like our audience involved into this. How can we have these conversations? When is the right moment, right, to have these conversations with our siblings mm-hmm. or our parents? Like, where do we catch them? You know, is it a more formal thing of, hey, I would like to have a conversation with you? Or is it more of like when they're at least expecting it? Or how would you say you would have these conversations of maybe resentment, of, Guilt. I mm. think, I don't think it's a straightforward answer. I think, I think it depends. Yeah, I think it depends. It's, a, it's case by case. But do you think, thing. but do you think, let's say, if we say like it depends, will we ever have these conversations? Well, and that's what I was getting at. Um, it depends, one, the time and place. Remember, conversations like this just occur sometimes out of the blue. And, and you kind of just know, okay, this is a good moment, you know, because you're already talking something similar. But you're right. So it's like, oh, like, we have to wait for the right moment. I don't think there is such a thing as the right moment. I think the opportunity is always there is whether or not we humble ourselves and take that. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to come from that aspect. It's humbling yourself that, like we spoke earlier about my dad, why... Where's your posture, your heart when having these conversations? Is it genuine to converse and just talk? Or are you trying to get something something out of of it that only benefits you and not both of you? You know, so so definitely, yes, it's a case by case base, but it's the I feel opportunities to communicate are always there. It's just your willingness to do it. I think there's there's always a fear also about kind of all right. Do I really want to have the conversation with them right now? Because we're at a good place. Like, mm. we're at a good place. Why, why bring it up? How do you know you're in a good place with them, though? Exactly. Right. How do you know? And I, I think it's kind of like, well, we don't fight anymore. Mm. We're not arguing. Right. It, and it might be the fact that y'all are kind of avoiding, avoiding mm-hmm. the elephant in the room. And some people, I think some people are okay with that. I really do. Um, again, I, I, I agree with Kevin, though. It, it's it's definitely a case by case. Um, 
in understanding, all right, can I have this conversation with you? Because we have to understand, you can't have conversations with everyone. Because mm-hmm. then, all right, are they going to react a certain way? You can, but then is it just going to lead to a fight? Is it going to lead to an argument? Is it going to lead to you ruining your own peace? Mm. I don't know. I would rather keep my peace than try to have a conversation with someone that I know I can't have a conversation with. But don't you think then that, let's say, that relationship would just be surface level then? And you have to be okay with that. You have to understand that in this life, you don't, you don't essentially have to cultivate deep relationships with everybody. Because but I this, think... In this case, it would be your family, though. Yeah, and doesn't mean anything. I strongly don't believe in the term blood is thicker than water. No, I, I, I agree, but your family can be very toxic. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's your own very family that's causing you to hinder you to move on and grow. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand is that relationships aren't so black and white. You can expect to have a very deep relationship with everybody because that's reality. You can't. It's not physically possible. You're one person. You know, that the attempt is there, yeah, but you have to understand that I have friends that we're friends at surface level and that's okay. There's no animosity towards us. It's just that's our relationship. Mm-hmm. There's friends that I go deep with. There's those days where I go deeper in. Mm. There's friends that <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for your response, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> deep. Like, whoa, whoa. It doesn't matter what, what was what, it? Uh, it doesn't matter how deep it is, it's how deep you go. Oh mm-hmm. anyways. Okay. Facts. Anyways, um, yeah, and and that's and that's okay, that's okay, and that's where healthy relationships are cultivated. Not everyone needs to know your story. Not everyone needs to be part of your life. Not everyone has oh has or must have access mm. to your. But life. I'm saying, mm-hmm. but I'm saying in the sense of closing that chapter with your that person that hurts you or you feel something against them, especially in this case being your brother mm-hmm. or family member, mm-hmm. which, you know, has a huge part in how you've developed as a human being. How can we close that? Why shouldn't we close that? And you need to close that for your own sake, but it's going back like forgiveness. You're not going to have, you You can't expect to have the person in front of you ask for forgiveness. You need to forgive them and, and see, like, I forgive you for hurting me and I forgive myself. And and that and that's where healthiness comes from. Like my my brother, I would love to have a relationship. Have I humbled myself enough? No, I, I feel like I'm prideful in that aspect. And I know that in for in order for me to cultivate a relationship with him has to come from me. But I have to understand that even though I'm a hundred percent healthy and ready, if my brother is not willing, I can't force him. At that point, I have to understand he's not willing. I did my part. I move forward. I love you. I forgive you. Move forward. And that's how you move on in life. Mm. I think then it would be maybe the reason why some of us are not having these conversations is because we're not cultivating the soil of people's hearts. If you could say like the people that we love, we're not putting in the effort to, let's say, have these conversations or build love first in these relationships right and that's why we can't have these conversations yeah and but it goes back like i said it goes back to relationships is a two-way street bro mm-hmm. <laughs> i can cultivate all i want but if you're not willing i can't do anything it's understanding that once you understand that thing you will live more of a peaceful life with everyone around you because you're not going to expect much 
you give what you 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 give what you put in, and that's where you create those healthy boundaries and create that limit. Like let's say if, let's say me and Josh, you know, we're you know whatever we're friends, right? Um, I'm going a hundred percent out of my way for him. He's not. I go. I do everything I can. He does it. Yeah. That's unhealthy. What I have to do is that if he's putting fifty percent in this relationship, meaning he, I'm not a priority. Is I'm not gonna say he's not a priority of mine. I have to understand and be healthy and have to create that boundary. Well, you're not reciprocating that, and you know it's not like you just expect it. It's expectations. It's just that you know when someone's taking advantage, you create that boundary. Yeah, and you don't have to voice it. You just do it for yourself and create that boundary because, and that's okay. Doesn't mean you hate the guy. Yeah, it's just that. You know that there's boundaries that can't be crossed that need to be made. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in self determination. So, if we don't understand what self determination is, we're gonna drive ourselves to burnout, where mm-hmm. we think we're gonna be able to save these relationships, save these people, and it's gonna get to the point where it's like I'm damaging my own mental health or right. my my own mental stability because. I'm not seeing the the truth in the matter that the person I'm trying to help out or I'm trying to like cultivate this relationship with isn't willing to do the same. And that that that's where the frustration comes in. And again, if we're not ready to understand that people have the right to self-determinate and we don't have power over their decisions, it's just going to lead to frustration all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to be at peace at that. Yeah. Yeah, I, dude, I struggle with it all the time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I struggle with it all the time because we're like, I'm like, dude, come on, do it, do it, do yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it's like I wanted to be everyone's friend, and you have to understand that it's impossible. You know, being kind and being friendly doesn't necessarily they're a close friend. It's just that's just who we are. I'm naturally a talkative guy. Mm-hmm. My close friends are few, and there's even then when those few, only two of them have certain aspects in my life that. Nor you or Josue or Oscar have. And that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. I There's a there's going to be things in life that I'm not willing to touch on Josue because the simple fact is, that's not my place. If he And it's not that he doesn't trust me. It's that there's levels, unfortunately. And it's not that there's ever like, oh, he's better. It's just that I don't allow... I, I allow certain people that I know are there to edify me, speak over my life specifically in a specific area. Mm. But I have multiple people for anything. I have someone who's just there to let me vent. Like, literally, like, hey, I'm not looking for advice. I just need to vent. And they, they know. And they know that's... And they, they don't they don't take it personal because we established that dynamic. And they do the same. Healthy boundaries, people. Right, exactly. There's people that I speak, like, for example, my relationship. I have only a couple, like two couples that speak over my real life. There's a beautiful and amazing friends that are in relationships, but not all of them are going to speak or have access over my life mm-hmm. because that's a boundary and that's healthy, you know, and I'm not saying be limited and close minded, be open minded, you yeah. know, because relationships change and evolve and there's some mm-hmm. are seasonal, some are lifetime and mm-hmm. that's okay. I think as long as we're ready to have that conversation, yeah, you know, it, the other person might not be ready to have that conversation and that's okay. I think I could live and fall asleep comfortable 
knowing I'm ready to have this conversation whenever this person needs to have this conversation. I just I just think that we don't put in enough work. The person that's trying to have this conversation, let's say trying to heal and move on with their life, mm-hmm. they're not putting in the work to, I guess, open that place of safety so the person mm-hmm. could want to have this conversation. But that's subjective at that point, right? Because I feel like you're going based on the universal standard that everyone must do because the way I put in work is completely different how you put in work. What mm. if what I'm doing I feel is more than enough but for yeah. your standards it's not. Yeah, that's it's true. It's subjective. So but you okay. know because but, it's yeah. I would say then what are the standards? There isn't. That's how yeah, it's subjective. It, it's, <laughs> it's like and I, I had the same I had the same like uh, irritation where it's like I'm a very black and white guy. Yeah. Right? It's either this or this, right? And then it's not that simple. There's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot lot of gray gray area. And it's like, well, you have to take this into consideration. Well, you have this and this and this. And then you're just like, what the hell? It's not that simple. And it, it, again, I think, I think, you know, where I'm coming from, it's where like kind of saying, understanding if the person's ready to have this conversation or ready to change, whatever. That's after I've exhausted all my efforts. If I realize again, like what Kevin was saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm putting a hundred. Exhausted all your efforts. If if we're if I've put a hundred and this person's only put thirty or forty, it's you could see that that's a major difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again, if you're healthy enough, you'll see. All right. Well, you know, I I re- I'm starting to realize now that I'm putting way more into this relationship than I should. When you're ready, I'm ready. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's what the healthy boundaries are. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you know, that was honestly really dope. Like, was, yeah, way. dude, that was that awesome, was. man. That was <laughs> so. We we got to know a little bit more about relationships, a little bit more about Kevin and and like his upbringing. Yeah. Uh, you know, next week. Oh God! Oh, you're next, buddy. Oh man, can we just dude, can we just Josh's go to the story? next topics? <laughs> Uh, Who next is Josue? And why does he have windshields for glasses? <laughs> you know what? Go to hell, dude. Go to hell. Like, I've been traumatized with my with dude, my sight for my, like, the entire my, my entire life. Why does he wear the same colors every single time I see him? <laughs> That's just I I just do black, dude. I just do black. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> why don't you try different shades of black? <laughs> why do his eyes look bigger when his glasses are off? That's true. That's true. <laughs> But you know what? This is an optometrist. Hey, this is bullying already. So like, you have to go to hell. No, man. But I, I really thank you for the question. I feel like there's, there's just an aspect of my life and everyone's, you know, whatever Oscar shared and what I've shared, what you're shared. These are just, yeah, points and little highlights. And obviously, I think that's the whole point of this podcast: understanding the complexity of just an individual human being is insane. It's never ending. And even then, one can never fully cultivate someone else, so someone else's perspective and mind because the simple matter is, we're not them. Exactly. Like, we could come from the same places. Uh, we could share beliefs. Yeah. But our experiences and our backgrounds could be com- completely like, different. And it's like going back to the whole sibling thing where you can ask my brother and my sister and me the same question. How was your upbringing? It'd be different. And we have three different stories and three different lives. Three different truths. That's right. So we're yeah. complex, you would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're pretty complex. <laughs> That's a good way to tie it back in. But, you know, thank y'all for uh, hearing us out today. Um, I don't know if y'all have any, like, closing... 
statement. No. Um, oh, same thing we did last time. If you guys have any questions for me, shout us out, send us a message, DM us. We'll be go. We're gonna go ahead and post it on our IG, like a little. What is it? Like a little post where you can ask questions, like ask me a question, or whatever. Yeah, just slide into the DMs, no, or not, or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can now nah, we can do an IG post and be like, post? hey, what based on today's episode? Do you have any questions for me? True. I I think if if people want to stay kind of like. Um, Anonymous and like slide into the DMs. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that's still kind of open for y'all. Uh, but you know, we're, what I think what we're what we will try to do is have a a post and then just kind of have a conversation uh, about it in the comments, whatever. Ask questions um, and then we we'll try to answer them the best way we can. Let's do it. All right, we're out. All right, guys. Peace. Right, later.